Welcome to the Beamsville Church of Christ online ministry. This week's message is titled, New Testament Doxology. Thank you to Ed, Paul, Janet, and Don for being part of the video. The scripture reading is 2 Timothy 4, 16-18. Happy birthday this week to Jim and to Kate. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, I welcome you here this morning. I'm glad to see you. A few announcements before we uh, more formally begin our time together. Um, someone has lost a nice hoop earring. So if that's you, it's not me. If that's you, it's up here. So keep that in mind. Uh, it's, it's been kicking around for a while. Um, so please do, uh, do grab that if you know somebody missing an earring. Uh, Diane has done a tremendous amount of work over the last little bit and put the new church directory together, so please thank, thank her when you see her, and also pick one up. They are in your mailbox, and if you don't have a mailbox and you want one, you can talk to me, and if you don't have a mailbox and you don't want one, you do want a directory, you can talk to me about that too. Uh, we want to congratulate uh, Lorena and Raphael on, uh, on the arrival of baby Christopher, who was born on Valentine's Day. So, yeah, so that's very exciting for them. Um, and, uh, and so please, uh, please do keep them in your prayers as that's a, uh, that's a change in their family and, and is going to be, I, I imagine, fun eventually, but a lot of work as well. So um, I want to pass along a, a thank you from Alice. Dear church family, thank you for sharing my special birthday with me. I enjoyed my celebration. Thank you for your cards and good wishes and for including me in this family. So that was a, a, nice, a nice note from her, from her birthday. Something that is new is at the back over here is a prayer wall. Um, so um, if you have prayer requests or messages of thanksgiving or praise or confession or petition or submission to the Lord, there is a stack of post-it notes. I don't know how well those post-it notes are going to stick to that. We're going to give it a try. If it doesn't work, we'll think of something else. But please, uh, please do make use of that. And, uh, and even if you don't personally have a prayer request, check in and see what's on, what's on other people's hearts. Um, we do have some other prayer requests that we'd like to speak on. Uh, we think of Marie in, still in the hospital following a stroke. Um, and, uh, and then we also know of, uh, we heard this week of Valerie, who is, so she is... Jim's wife. Jim is the son of Donald and Miriam, who were uh, who were members here for a long time, missionaries in India for a long time. And Valerie and Jim are in India, so uh, please do keep Valerie in your prayers as well, as she is uh, she is suffering uh, suffering there. So uh, let's uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Oh Lord, how excellent your name is. How excellent it is to be in your presence. Your name and your presence are just the beginning. You're so much more than anything we could imagine, anything we could grasp, and your love for us is beyond all measure. Lord, we thank you for the arrival of Christopher. We give you thanks for his loving family who are seeking to raise him in your way and in your presence. We think of those who are suffering physically. We think of Valerie and Marie, who we've mentioned this morning, and uh, Braden and Pam and Care, who have been on our hearts and and in our prayers for for some time. We ask that you would heal their bodies, Lord, and strengthen them and those who are taking care of them. 
We pray that you would heal those who are suffering from things that we can't see or that we don't know about. God, we, we know that you made us and you know what's wrong with us and you know how to fix it. So we ask for your intervention in those lives. Lord, we bow our will to what you have in mind. We don't know. We can't know. And we ask that you show it to us. We have no right on our own to come to you, Lord. We are so not worthy of the love that you shower on us. We've fallen short of what you want us to be, God. We can't do it ourselves. And we are so thankful, God, so grateful for the love that you showed us in your son, Jesus, who made the way for us. And it's in his name that we come to you this morning. Amen. So one of those uh, eternal truths that is commonly said, uh, at least uh, over here, uh, real estate is a safe bet. Not always. Which brings me to our second house in Saskatchewan. Um, uh, there's, a, there's another lesson that we're not going to go down uh, today, but uh, a lesson where you can do all the right things and still have a bad outcome. Uh, we did the home inspection. Uh, we had my dad, my wife's dad, and uh, I know a little bit, I know a lot more now, uh, of uh, house construction. Uh, and uh, because the house they had put, if you know about house stuff, uh, they put plywood behind all the drywall, which is not normal. So all the structural defects of the house were hidden. Normally, if, you, if there's structural defects, if stuff is sagging, you can tell because there's cracking in the drywall. Well, all the plywood behind all the drywall held everything more or less in place, except for the two to three inches of sagging in the middle. Uh, turns out the house had what I affectionately call half a house. It had one and a half walls unsupported. Um, we had to rebuild the house, literally, including the foundations up from the bottom on, uh, as it turns out, the full front and two of the side, uh, half of the side walls. Uh, it was an eternal process. It was a, a difficult process. It was a great ministry process, by the way. You get to know people in town very well when you're underneath the crawl space of your house, jacking it up together. But one of the things that was interesting about this house is that it had kind of been cobbled together over the years and the decades. It had been moved originally from a farm somewhere and put in town, and they had just kind of papered over the cracks as the years went on. And in the kitchen dining room area, every time there was an issue with the floor, I mean, option one is you could pull up the entire floor and fix the underlying issue. Option two is you just lay something down on top. So as we were exploring things and uncovering things, we're chipping away at the floor, and you go through layer upon layer. It's, it's interesting. It kind of goes through the history of the area, through the layers of the floor. You have political signs, and oh, interesting. There were, I counted, eight to nine, depending on the different layers of stuff down there. We got down to the bottom layer and opened it up, and in the corner, there was a door, a trap door. 
This house does not have a basement. It has a little bit of a crawl space in various areas because it's kind of a weird modular over the years decade put on, but it doesn't have a basement. What in the world? You open it up, there is a dry cellar. Poured concrete, dry, about as big as the entire dining room down there. It had been boarded over for decades. We don't think the previous owner who'd been there since the beginning of the 90s even knew it existed. It had been so far down based on the number of layers. It was... Interesting, it was useless to us because it was in the middle of the dining room, you can't get to it uh, without a uh, sort of, you take your life in your own hands ladder situation. Uh, but uh, cool mystery hidden, there was no treasure, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, a hidden mystery that, that we found that occasionally you find in life. You don't expect it, it just pops up. Well, the gospel is, was a mystery. Uh, scriptures talk about the hidden mystery of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 2, uh, Colossians 2, 1 Timothy 4. The biblical authors speak of the gospel as a hidden mystery to us humans, both in wider human history uh, and, in pers and personally, the gospel was a mystery. Whether by inaction or action, the gospel has been hidden. It was fully publicly made known by Christ in his life, death, and resurrection, he is both the source of the mystery of the gospel, that is, the re made redemption possible, God become human, and thus we can now join God in his throne room, uh, become his sons and daughters. This is a mystery of the gospel, not only that Christ made possible, but also that he revealed to us. In our own lives, this gospel has been hidden. It's been hidden until it was shared by someone, moved in our heart by God's spirit, but also we can choose to cover it back up again. There's a second way, though, that the Bible talks about the mystery of the gospel. And that is uh, some examples of this, Romans 16, Ephesians 3, that the gospel applies to all. Uh, the direct application of the biblical authors is that the gospel applies to both the Jews, God's historical people, his family, but also the Gentiles, historically God's enemies. Gentiles, while historically, not historically, in the nation of God, family of God, part of the historical people of God, this gospel is now available to those people as well. This sense of mystery is that the gospel can cover all people, not just those who've had a relationship with God in the past or could be seen or feel to have some sense of worth for it. We can at times think the gospel, while nice and all, is not really meant for me. My past is not good enough. I don't have the right connections, the right habits, even the right practices, at least according to some. The mystery of the gospel of Christ is that we were, while we were still sinners, God sent his son to live, die, be buried, and is resurrected for us. Not because we've earned it, nor will we, but because he loves us. This is great news for me because if the gospel was based on me, it would fail. Instead, it is based on God. Nothing can hold it back. Even if I am a Gentile, historical enemy of God, it is now available to me. So just like that mystery basement that is surprising, uh, that we don't expect to see, I hope today that we see the gospel and its hidden mysteries in our lives. Today, may we remember that mystery by joining in the partaking of the symbols that sac 
uh, of that sacrifice, we journey with Christ through his life, death, burial, and resurrection towards redemption, faith, and hope. Come with me in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for all you've given us and all you've blessed us with. Thank you for this day. Lord, as we think about your son, uh, the sacrifice he made, uh, Lord, help us to be open to that gospel in our lives. Help us to be open to, uh, to his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Help us remember his body broken, his blood shed, and help us to live like a people who remembered. In Jesus' name, amen. morning. Our reading this morning is from the second book of Timothy, chapter 4, verses 14, 16 to 18. At my first defense, no one came to, to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through the me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you very much for being with us today. We're really glad that you are with us. For some 30 years, Jerry Rushford organized the lectures in California. And at the end of the Pepperdine lectures, he said the same thing. It was the last words that he said every year for 30 years. And here are his words. It's a quote from scripture. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And it was marvelous to the point that out on the floor of the auditorium where it would seat probably a couple of thousand people, even up in the stands, at the end of it, people had come to the lectures year after year after year that the noise got louder and louder in quoting the scripture so at the end, we can't wait until next year. Well, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about doxology. What are the last words? And we're going to talk about this in Scripture, but before that, there's some interesting people. And what they said were their last words. Nostradamus said, Tomorrow at sunrise, I shall no longer be here. Herman Melville, who is the author of Moby Dick, 
said, God bless the captain. Mary, sorry, Marie Antoinette, pardonnez-moi, monsieur. Last words. Harriet Tubman, wonderful spiritual woman. Give my love to all the churches. Leonardo da Vinci, give my love to all the churches. Twice. And then he said, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Leonardo da Vinci said that. Incredible. Benjamin Franklin, a dying man can do nothing. Murderer, lucky, not so lucky, Luciano said, bring me a bulletproof vest. Actor, Michael Landon, really a very spiritual man. I'm ready to go. I love you all. John Wayne said to his wife, you are my girl. I will love you forever. Groucho Marx, just before he passed away, he said, this is no way to live. Alfred Hitchcock, one never knows the ending, his last words. Sir Winston Churchill, I'm just bored with it all. Truman Capote called out to his mother, Mama, Mama, Mama. Bob Marley, great singer. Last words, money can't buy life. Frida Kahlo, <laughs> I hope my exit is joyful as I hope never to return. <laughs> Oscar Wilde, my wallpaper and I are fighting a duel to death. One of the other of us has to go. And then most last words, I suspect, and being a minister, I've experienced it many, many times, but most last words are always, I love you. Those are good last words. I love you. Now, there are many unique scriptures in the Bible that are last words in the Bible. So what I want to do today is just go through the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and so forth, and just notice the last words. And when you combine them all together, it really is quite lovely, because there are many, many unique words in Scripture, and they're written in each book. Here are the last words. Jesus says in Matthew, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Last words. So when you think of the New Testament and you think of all the writers and what they had to say, sometimes there's a wonderful introduction and there's a great conclusion but sometimes we forget the meat in the middle, and it's often quite profound. Last words are spoken all throughout Scripture. And I like Mark, 
Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. So people didn't just listen to the words of Jesus or listen to the words of the disciples, which they did, but they also watched how they lived. And I think that's very true for us today as Christians. It's not just what we say. It's not just what we think. But it's how we come across. It's how we share. It's who we are. May our words be very precious to Jesus. I suspect, maybe I'm just talking about myself, that if I knew that God was standing right beside me, I have to ask myself this question. Do you really want to say this? Do you really, really want to say this? And the reality is, God is standing beside us. He knows. Did I really need to say that? What words can I say that would express the love and the joy and the peace and the kindness of Jesus? Words are so, so very important. I like like Mark's comments. The disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them, just as he does for us, and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. How someone's life can turn upside down beautifully. How someone may have had a real cranky life, a real cranky experience. And all of a sudden, Jesus changes that cantankerous attitude into something like, oh, it's life. It's beautiful. It's God who created us. We're not just a mistake. We're not just a coincidence. We are God's child. How do we live this way? So it's profound all the way through scripture. Uh, I like Luke. While Jesus was blessing them, he was taken up to heaven. Can you imagine seeing that? And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And that joy covered their lives for many, many years. And then they got to see Jesus face to face. The author, John, so cool. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, and this is true, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I have a pretty extensive library, but that's this big compared to God's volume. What more? Can't you wait till we get to heaven? Fill us in, God. What more words did they say that we didn't read? I want to know all of it. I want to be part of it all. One day we will. And then Acts, of course, Paul writes Acts. He says this. This is the end of the book. For two whole years, Paul stayed in Rome, in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God, talked about the Lord Jesus Christ. Many years ago, when I was in Bible college, I was preaching every Sunday at a church in Portland, Indiana, not Oregon, Indiana, and there was a wonderful man, an elder there. He didn't really say too much. 
and he invited me home for lunch one day. His name was Homer Smith, no relation, Homer Smith. He was about that tall, balding head, kind of a high-pitched voice, and I was invited for dinner. He was the most intelligent, incredible, thoughtful, wonderful, wonderful man. And every week I would go back and I would be invited to different people's homes. And I guess I'm ashamed of saying it. I just wanted to go to Homer's house. I wanted to hear what he was going to say. Not, not that he was conceited in any way at all, but just a man of such knowledge and profound grace with that knowledge. His bookshelves were lined everywhere. And he could pick any book he want, and he, he could remember it. He was just a man. And so I had the, I don't know if it's the right word or not, privilege of sharing thoughts at his funeral. And there were no words that would adequately sum up this wonderful, wonderful man. See, it's not just the words. And when you think of the scripture, what are the last words in these books? But it's not just the words. It's who wrote them and to whom. And how can we understand these things? What's going to happen next all the way through the scripture? So it's quite, quite profound. I like the scripture in Acts where for two whole years Paul stayed in Rome in his own rented house and he welcomed everybody to come and see him. Boldly without hindrance he preached the kingdom of God. I'd love to hear all those conversations. And then Paul also writes the book of Romans, quite a profound book. But then he says this, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel, he's owning the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all nations might believe and obey him to the only wise God be glory forever and ever, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a mouthful. And I want it all out there. He just put it all on the line. So Paul, when he writes, there's there's no questioning what he's saying. Again, in 1 Corinthians, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. And then he, he gets pretty tough. He says, if anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. And then he says, but come, O Lord, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. He just had Christ as his life. Not just Christ's life, but he wanted Christ in his life. What would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus think? There was that connection. And probably the first New Testament book that was written wasn't Matthew. The first New Testament book that was written was actually the book of Galatians. And he says this, Paul does, let no one cause me trouble. (laughs) Don't bother me. I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. How many times 
was Paul thrown in prison? How many times was he beaten with rods? How many times was he whipped? But he kept on going. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I want to say, Paul, you are such a remarkable, wonderful hero of the faith. Can we just get a little bit of that faith? And then again, Paul writes in Ephesians to the brothers and sisters and the faith that we have from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all of you who love our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, an undying love do we give. Or in Philippians, greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they send greetings. All the saints send greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So do you, do you get the repetition all the way through? Last words. What can they be? Love, joy, faith, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. They, they aren't those words, but they are, they are the words. They are the expression of all of this. I never really thought too much about the end of the last words. I, I want to be in the middle. I want to get all that meat. And sometimes the few comments at the beginning and the few comments at the end are profound, amazing words. And that's why, and some of you have had these experiences, it's so sad, but I'm so glad that I had the experience. A loved one with a last breath. And the words are always the same. I love you. I love you. I guess that's another way of saying the New Testament. Well, what is the New Testament? It's Jesus saying, I love you. I love you. Here are some books. Read them. And when you finish Revelation, you're going to say, I'm confused with Revelation. But I know that God loves me. This is God so loved the world, each one of us. And if we can personalize it, it's really cool. And then it, you just can't help but share it. When he's in Philippi, greet all the saints in Jesus Christ. Send them greetings. And then he says, send greetings especially to those who belong to Caesar's household. People that were against Christians at the time. And then it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul uses that phrase over and over again. Or in Colossians, he says this, after this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read to the church of the Laodiceans, which we don't know much about, and that, John, and that, John, that you should turn that letter and share that letter from the one written to you from Macedonia. First Thessalonians, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, your soul, your body be kept blameless until the coming of your Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. The difficulty can be, that was thousands of years ago. Does that really mean that it's true for us today? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not just flowery words. Those words were written to us, for us, and for generations to come.
And so when Paul and Timothy had great relationship, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, even as a young man, I want you to guard. I want you to guard care. Turn away from godless chatter. Guard yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit makes you overseers. And then he says, the Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. And then this little book, Titus, instructive. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for the daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. And then the same thing at the end. Grace be with you all. Philemon, very brief book. Epiphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if we do write letters or send texts to put one of these little things in here? Read these little scriptures? Because they are scriptures. And they're powerful. And they work for us today. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. I love to end a letter that way. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but he says, or she says, we don't know who, I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released from prison. If he arrives soon, I'll come with him. I'll see him. Oh, and by the way, grace be with you all. It's just this constant phrase. And then you have first and second Peter. And very briefly, First Peter, <laughs> greet one another with a kiss of love. Sometimes you see this today, and different nations do it a certain way. A kiss on the one cheek, a kiss on the other cheek. It's this relation. When Barb and I went to Germany several years ago, my, my cheeks were getting red from all the kissing. It was just kissing all the time, back and forth. I'm ready to stick my hand out. No, there's no sticking a hand out. It's a kiss on either cheek. I'm glad you're here. It's, it's from Scripture itself. It wasn't like Paul meeting Peter, shaking hands. No, there was a, it, was a, it was familial with each other. And then Second Peter, I like this. Just continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be glory forever and forever. And then the three epistles of John plus the gospel of John. It says, we know the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are him who we are in him who is true, even his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and he is eternal life. And our life is eternal because of him. He is eternal life. Second John, very brief. I have much to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. Instead, I want to come and visit you and talk with you face to face that our joy may be complete. Meaning, I'm still believing. Are you still believing? What have you heard? How are we doing? How are we growing? And then the book of Jude, not Judas, but Jude, probably a brother of James, he says these beautiful words, to him who was able to keep you from falling 
and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, to the only God and Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. That's a lengthy but wonderful conclusion to this letter. And then, of course, the last book is Revelation. And I love these words. Revelation is a very difficult book to grasp, but it's this faith. It's this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living in us. And here's what he says. He who testifies to these things that I have written. Yes, Jesus said, I am coming soon. And then they said, come, Lord Jesus. John says, then, if you're going to come, come on. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. I love, I love these words. I love these words. And again, I think that the words that are most spoken, that are most loved, that endure forever, are these words. I love you. Amen. I'm feeling no pressure that I have the last words. I love you. I heard those words as I was leaving the hospital room of Art Fleming. And I turned, we turned, Ron and I turned and said, we love you, Art. But you see, he didn't have to say those words because I knew them from experiencing him. So we have to be careful in our lives that we are sending the message. What message are we saying with our words? Because we never know when the words that we say are the last words. I also thought of an expression that I heard years ago, and, and it went something like this. It's be better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay, so we, on, on the one side, there are positive things, and then as human beings, we can say some inappropriate things too. So guard your words. When I chose this hymn for the last song today, I didn't realize until I got an email from Adam saying that he was going to be in the class with the kids, and so would you lead the last prayer? I'm going to lead the last prayer. We're going to sing it to each other and to the Lord as we close. Let's stand, please. Father, hear the prayer we offer, nor for ease that prayer shall be, but for strength that we may Not forever by 
Thanks for watching or listening. The Beamsville Church of Christ meets at 4900 John Street, Beamsville, Ontario. Scripture quotations marked NIV, taken from the Holy Bible, New International Version, NIV. Copyright 2011 by Biblica Inc. Used by permission, all rights reserved worldwide. You can learn more about the congregation on our Facebook page or at beamsvillechurchofchrist.ca.